0: Good Monday morning. We may have to do one of these Who Told You about?" once or twice a year because not everybody came in at the beginning and many people decided not to go to the beginning because they didn't want to get lost and that's fine, it's fine. Let me remind you though that the Who Told You About started when I was just a boy. My father had a very extensive library and he expected us to find our joy in there and and that's pretty much where I lived and I would read the great debates I would read uh, the several volumes alleged contradictions in the bible explained and I would read all of that stuff uh, all of Foy Wallace Jr's material because that's what my father had and that's where he was tracking but there came a time where I began to wonder well they're saying this but wh- who told them? And some of the books had bibliographies and that was extremely helpful because I could go and look and then go to a library, remember them, and go to a card catalog and get a a Dewey Decimal System for whatever was said and whether it was publication or the like, see if the school I was at could get it. And frankly, most of the time they couldn't, but if they could, that then allowed me to say, all right, Who told the writer of this one that, as uh, has been said about me, most of my life, if Patrick sees a thread, somebody's losing a sweater. I want to go back. I want to find where they got it. And the sad thing was, the books in my father's library tended to quote each other and use each other as references. And then the debates were to shape everybody and beat them back into line so that they were afraid to step out and say anything other than received tradition, because received tradition equaled truth. And to question truth was to tra- uh, question God. It, it became an incestual thing. and That really bothered me. By the way, this is not only in one or two religious tribes. This is in politics. This is in Twitter. Oh my, is it in Twitter? When people quote this and quote that and don't realize perhaps, if we're being gracious, that they are quoting each other and therefore that's why they're now the authorities on vaccinations or pandemics or uh, shipping backups or taxes and on and on and on. So I'm always gonna ask who told you this? Well, every so often, I get emails that say, listen, we really love the Monday Morning Messages, but gotta ask, why should we believe you? Because what you're saying isn't the same as what our preacher's saying, so who told you about? Fair enough. I do try to roll out the logic and the scriptures and the history as I go, but I can't really do all of that in very, very short Monday Morning Messages. I roll them out in sermons and Bible classes, but only about 400 access the Bible classes. The sermons are about 3,000, but that's all over the world. And that's only the ones we can count. Most of the ways we can deliver sermons don't even hit the meter. So, and by the way, we picked up our 18th country that checked in yesterday. So that was very cool. So how can you build a basic, source book for yourself. If you shop used, maybe you go to an ABE books or you go to Amazon and look for the used. If you really take care for a hundred dollars, you could buy most of what I'm about to show you used. Uh, And that's if you have prime, it's not going to help you there. If you're on Amazon prime, because used, you have to pay postage. So just be aware, uh, I have walls and walls of books, and I have Kindle full of books. Uh, Can you get Kindle's full? If if you can, I'm about there. But here's where, if I were starting today, I'd highly recommend these books as starters because of the bibliographies and the way they document what they say, all right? Now, this is a very short, Uh, period of time that we have so use your pause button anytime you want to all right two books I began with the Oxford companion to the Bible Uh, it's by Metzger and Coogan it is big the print is small but they document everything and they tell you where everything goes the indexes are extensive So what does this do? This tells you what's going on in the history and the culture in every book in the Bible. And it gives you a reading on what life was like and what time period and what ways did they use language. Very valuable. You don't have to be a scholar for this at all. And right with this, I would not have one without the other, the Oxford Bible Commentary. And once again, you can look down here and see John Barton and John Mettaman, were the editors. But again, um, very extensive. And this one's more go to the verse and go to the passage. This will be absolute mainstream research, history, um, our archaeology, our knowledge to this point. This will not be an evangelical book and it's not really a progressive book. It is just a book of this is what we know now. And again, the tables and indexes are amazing, um, which allows you to go for that thread. There are others that are more conservative uh, in tone and not quite as thorough, but still really useful to have and still thick. This is the NIV background commentary. And this one is of the New Testament in one volume which is asking a lot of any book, frankly, but it takes a chapter and verse at a time to show you the historical background, which is crucial so that we stay in the culture and in the context, because a text without a context is a pretext. So very, very valuable. All of these, uh, the last time I looked, you could get them used. Now, there are a whole series written by John Walton and sometimes, such as here, he has co-writers. His passion is to get back to see what the roots were of the different passages. This is uh, The Lost World of Scripture. Uh, You'll find it's actually a fairly conservative take on things, but extremely well done. Uh, I really enjoy him. And then he does, uh, this is the first one I came across of his, The Lost World of Genesis 1, Uh, John Walton is his name. There are a bunch of these, and he's still producing those. Again, I'm not bringing them up just because they're good books. I'm not bringing them up because they're conservative or progressive. I'm bringing them up because they are researched. They dig into the context. And if you have a question about, well, who told you that? They'll tell you, and uh, you can go to that source if you'd like. One of the great, and this is just one of his books. Um, this is the uh, the many faces of Christ. Anytime you can get a Phillips Jenkins book, get it. He's a stud when it comes to the history of religion, Christianity in particular. Uh, its highs and its lows, and its all the whys and why nots and Philip Jenkins is great. Um, this, is a, this is a particularly good book. If you want to know why do we have all these ideas about Jesus that we don't find in the Bible? Well, he shows you where we get them. And again, extensive bibliography. I keep doing this now. Now, this one may be more fun to some of you. This was actually a gift to me by Glenn Browning, who's one of our, um, our Safe Harbor members up in Kirksville, Missouri. Uh, Jim Bishop wrote two books, and this is particularly in one, this volume is, is two in one, The Day Christ Died and the Day Christ Was Born. And it's all about the laws, the history, the culture, really interesting stuff. If you want to understand anything about what was the, what was the world Jesus born into like? What would he have thought when he gets arrested? All of that amazing stuff. Um, and again, find that used anywhere. There are going to be more complicated books out there. Uh, but again, culture, you're asking how do you get back to the originals? How, do, Patrick, how do you know about, well, I have oh, thousands of these, literally thousands of these, but here's the starter, right? Paul Through Mediterranean Eyes. Got to warn you, this one is a little deeper, but if you've got high school education and a brain that likes to really think and you're not afraid to concentrate for a bit you can do this you can do this Um, this one's by Kenneth Bailey and it is really useful if you want to know what Paul was like Um, and again um, he he backs up everything that he says Uh, tells you exactly the ancient document where it came from where it was dug up, uh, even what the language looks like in the scroll. So really, really good stuff. But while we're talking about that, a book I cannot hold up, it's on my Kindle, and that's where you should get it. There's a book by Sarah Rudden, R-U-D-D-E-N, called Paul Among the People. She's not a theologian, she's a classicist, which means that she knows the literature uh, of Rome and surrounding areas knows it inside out and so she takes that literature and then looks at the words paul chooses to use and says this is what that word meant to them and here's what was going on and here's how the poets and the politicians and the common people of the day use these words and what they meant to to um to them so sarah rudin uh, amazing book paul among the people I think I paid $2 for mine on Kindle. And uh, that's the thing about Kindle, they'll go up and down. Sometimes it's free. I do not expect you to get this, this next one, unless you've got the money, all right? This is a many volume, uh, NIV Expositories Bible Commentary. And it is, I'm just gonna hold it there so that you want a screenshot. It covers every book of the Bible. There are many volumes here. They are expensive, even used. They are very conservative in their leaning and very evangelical and sometimes a bit too far, especially whenever they start going into the the concepts of Christ reign on earth and premillennialism, that'll rear its head a few times, but it's very much worth having because once again, everything's documented Everything has a bibliography, right you know, a point you can go right there and find where they got it, and then go there and find where they got it, which is the whole point of these Monday Morning Messages. Um, one that you can share with your kids, all right? <clears throat> you know, How We Got the Bible, and it's really pretty. It's, it's just a pretty book. Clinton E. Arnold, and he doesn't do, if you're looking at great theology on um on what inspiration means, no. What he does, it's pictures and it's stories about how all of this was saved, how it was transported, how it was translated. It's really good stuff. And if you've got kids, it's a really good book to have about. Last one, last one. I have never heard of this book and I hadn't seen it on shelves until I was given a copy of it. It is called Immerse, the Bible reading experience, Messiah. Immerse. Get this. It even comes, whenever you buy it, with a reading plan, a quick start guide, um, a guide to how to use this with your house churches, uh, with your friends, You know how to gather and talk about the Bible but it immerses you in the world of Scripture and then does Scripture and then immerses you in a world of Scripture now when it comes to bibliography I gotta tell you this time it doesn't have one but you can go online and find the books and the sources they used so that's all I'm gonna do right there if you are careful if you do not rush if you look about you can get all of these except for those NIV commentaries for probably a total of a hundred to a hundred twenty dollars. It's a lot of money, especially now that inflation's going back up uh, and we're having so many struggles in the economy again. I, I'm aware of that. So don't do it all at once. Go back through here. Find one. Find three. D- do that because you're not going to read them all at once anyway. So, one at a time. By the way, it breaks my heart, it's killing me because there are 30 or 40 more that I really wanted to show you, but I had to cut this down. And here's the point again, and I really want to make this plain. You are always welcome to ask Patrick, who told you? And I'm going to go to a stack of these because I don't go and say, well, well, for example, Gregory Boyd, uh, love Gregory Boyd. And some things, I could say, Gregory Boyd told me that, but that's not enough. You need to know who told Gregory Boyd that. Some of Gregory Boyd's work, I don't care for. Others, it's probably not too far to say that they saved my faith. But I go back and check where he learned, and then I learn what's going on with Gregory or with Patrick or anybody else. That helps. May I use an illustration out of mystery books? And then we'll we'll shut this down and I hope you have a beautiful week. These are pre-recorded as as you know and so today it's a rainy day in October. You'll be seeing this in the middle of November, is that right? Let's see, November 15th I think. So uh, I hope you're having a great great life. Here's a story. I love mysteries and I, I, early on, started reading Robert Parker's Spencer novels. And the first ones just really got me. Now, they, <clears throat> they're not Christian. Uh, while the language did not become horrible until later in the series, eh, the language isn't great. But the stories were interesting, and the characters were really interesting. And then, and by the way, this is a very well-known phenomena, he brought in a character called Sarah Silverman it ruined the books to the point where people who read mysteries will talk about a character who's just been Sarah Silverman. All of a sudden this great big tough private eye moons over this woman and everything she says is amazingly witty and he has to mention her doctorate so many times and he has to every single book. He has to mention the way she drinks wine many, many times. Just little sips, little sips evaporation more than 60, um, all the time. And right in the middle of action, he'll stop, go over to her house, whip up a good meal, and they'll have you know good, good nice little flirty talk with each other, uh, which becomes more and more difficult to swallow, because in the early books, he was a Korean War veteran, and now that would put him around 90. Well, then I read up on Robert Parker. Came a time in his life where his wife didn't want to live with him, didn't mind living near him. He lived on one floor. She lived on the other. He mooned over her. She didn't moon over him. And immediately that Sarah Silverman, that he is working out his own psychological issues, his emotional turmoil in his books. If you're wondering where this is going, hang on. To the point where uh, his books became blindingly predictable this, these wonderful series, there's gonna be alcoholism of the main character, mooning over a woman he lost, Uh, it doesn't matter. He even tried to leap to different characters, Jesse Stone, or like, no matter who he jumped to, or his his redemption and and the, the Western series that he did. Every single one of them. Alcoholism, mooning over a woman he can't have, it's the same book. Well, that's very important. I want to know what's going on in the life of authors, whether it's Paul, Gregory Boyd, Patrick Mead, what's going on in their life? Now, I try to be extremely open about my life and live my life out loud, as I put it. But even then, you might wanna look, what's going on with our safe harbor? How's Patrick and Candy doing? Where does he live? What kind of neighborhood is that? All of that factors into the way I speak, what I mean, and what I hear. Same with you. So we weed it out, we sort it out, but we understand this as well. Even if you and I come to different places on 110 or 50 different issues, as long as we are united in our belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, we're okay, we're okay. The wrestling and the search, that's just part of the journey. God bless. Have a fantastic week.